You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. Yeah, buddy, Avery said and raised a hand an inch away from Jack's shoulder. He just wanted to confirm what he'd felt previously. Maybe he'd just caught Jack in an awkward spot before at a bad time. He patted his shoulder, tasting copper again and something extremely bitter just underneath. Nope, that was just Jack. So he was selfish and egotistical. Everyone tended to have their baseline. Terry was cherry tobacco, Jack was metal. He'd thought Amanda was the warmth, but the color he'd seen the last time he'd touched her had thrown him off but the bitter he now tasted from Jack was something else. It was a prescient warning. Avery often tasted metal and had figured out early on what that meant. Most of the women he'd met in Hollywood had that copper tang. The bitterness, though, he hadn't quite put his finger on. Terry had had it, then again his dog had just died, so maybe it might mean sadness? He'd also tasted it in the angry, the remorseful, the manic the dangerous and violent. So which is it, Jack? He dropped his hand as a good-looking and slightly underdressed blonde waitress sidled up to him. Now, this is an excerpt from a novel I wrote, a Paranorm Girl exclusive. I did not share this with the thought of impressing you all with my exquisitely finessed, Shakespearean, and poetic grasp of the English language. No, I shared it because it occurred to me that I did understand a concept of something psychic that up until recently, I didn't actually have the proper term for. Didn't know one existed. My character here, Avery, throughout the rest of his adventures has many, many different uh, psychic reads of Folks, he receives the information whenever he physically touches someone. He can't see the future or foretell fortunes, but he gleans emotional information about people he meets with but a single touch. And it ends up helping him in his career as an actor. Regular folks just don't understand how he has such good instincts in his scenes. Well, this is how he's cheating, basically. I know. Brilliant, right? The main psychic ability that Avery possesses is something called clairtangency. Clairtangency, interestingly enough, is the only psychic ability that in and of itself is not the information itself. As in, the touch must happen in order then for the reader to receive the information, often seeing it via another clairsense either via images, a knowing, smells, tastes, physical pains, aches, you know, that kind of thing. And my character does. So in a sense, clairtangency, something I never realized was a thing, 
is probably one of the lesser known of all of the Claire's, at least by that name. And it's actually like all of the Claire's wrapped up in one, the Super Claire. Also interestingly, this psychic sense can only be accessed via a physical sense. So cool. Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Today, we jump right into the thick of this psychic and medium business. We are, of course, going to be talking about the Claire senses, all of them. But before we get into that, we are going to have ourselves a little lesson on intuition. We all have it. We've all experienced it. And maybe much to our regret, we've all ignored it at one time or another. I do have a personal example of this that happened very recently. Three months ago, one of my dogs tore his ACL. I was in a panic, took him to the vet. ACL tear was confirmed without hesitation. He needs surgery as soon as possible. It's super simple, just a reattachment, eight weeks of healing. This is how much it's going to cost, yada, yada, yada. Let's schedule you for the next time the surgeon is in town. So they set my dog up for the next week out for his surgery. Now, As soon as my vet started talking about this surgery, I had what I can only describe as a very deeply nagging knowing that this wasn't the right choice. But I chalked it up to my fear that my dog would never live a fully capable ambulatory life again. And I was just so scared about that. I agreed to everything, ignoring the gut feeling because I love my dog, and I want what is best for him. And these are professionals. But for the seven days that followed, that pit in my stomach grew. It it just, it was a feeling that this wasn't the right choice, that it wasn't going to end well. Something was wrong or something was going to go wrong. But who listens to that illogical internal feeling in the face of being told otherwise that all would be well? As soon as I picked him up post-surgery, I was told they had to make a controlled fracture to reset it for the metal brace they attached. I didn't know they were going to break my dog's leg for this. The vet sent me home with care instructions. It was okay that my dog lick at it, as any dog would, just so long as it wasn't excessive. Well, he could get around his cone easily, unbeknownst to me, and so he did lick it, incessantly. A week later, my dog had an infection within the incision. Then he got at the metal sutures. Then he completely tore his healing incision clean open. Then he tested positive for a staph infection that wouldn't go away because it was underneath the metal plate itself. So, eight weeks turned into 12 weeks, turned into him having to go back in for a second surgery in order to remove the metal plate and for them to scrub his bone of all infection. To date, I have paid three times now what the original cost was going to be, which is not what bothers me most. I will go bankrupt for that little asshole. I love him like crazy. He's confined to his crate for healing now twice as long as was the plan originally, which I know would bother and depress any dog, but my dog is an especially hyperactive breed who would be happiest climbing up literal walls and hiking Mount Everest. I don't think he's actually sleeping when he's sleeping because he doesn't require sleep. He requires go time, even though it bothers me to no end to see him this unhappy that 
isn't even the thing that bothers me most. What bothers me most is that I couldn't have just taken the hint from that internal voice, that feeling that said this isn't the right choice, it's going to go wrong. And I know one could look at the situation pragmatically and say, Kristen, this could have happened to anyone. Things happen. There, there is no way you could have seen this coming. And it could have just as easily been a straightforward experience with no issues. You couldn't have known. And that is all true. That's exactly what I say to convince myself that I made the right choice and I was never going to make a different choice. And logically speaking here, how many times in our lives do we have those feelings about some impending situation or failure or tragedy that doesn't amount to anything at all? But I got to ask myself, what if this time was different? What if it was subtly different and I just couldn't distinguish it from my regular level of anxiety and worry? What, what if that feeling was my intuition speaking to me, my connection to all information, my sense of cognition? And what if I had just listened to it? How differently all of this might have gone. Researching it now, there are apparently ways to fine-tune your ability to distinguish between the regular internal monologue we've all got going 24-7 and our intuition trying to guide and protect us. The regular person might find it very difficult to decipher because it is subtle, but different, or so I'm told. So let's take a closer look. The four types of intuition are clairaudience, clairvoyance, clairsentience, and claircognizance. These are the clairs you are going to be most familiar with, and the clairs that in and of themselves are the psychic reception of information. These are the direct lines of communication from the unknown that knows everything. Let's break them down. Clairsentience may or may not be what I experienced. The word can be translated to clear feeling, and it is the most common of the four. Clairsentience is when a person feels something is going to happen before it happens. This is your gut instinct. This is also what empaths may be using when interacting with others, as clairsentience is also the ability to feel the emotions of other people. It can occur right at the time of interaction, and it can also occur before the thing happens. Kind of like getting a sudden jolt of excitement minutes before a friend calls to tell you that they landed the big job. You can feel physical sensations too if another person has something actually happen to them physically. Like your leg aches out of nowhere and then come to find out your sibling sprained their ankle or something like that. Claircognizance is clear knowing. This one is a tricky one. Because this communication will appear or be heard in your own mind just as it would any other thought. It'll feel similar and it may sound similar. It's the voice that is heard mentally, not with your ears. The same way you can hear your own thoughts, the same way you can hear people speaking in a dream. Claircognizance is helpful with getting an answer to something that your rational brain cannot provide. So you're having an issue with a coworker, you blew out your tire on your way home, or your cat is sick, and you don't know what it is or, or what to do. A clear knowing can come to your aid, showing and telling you the solution. 
And it can happen beforehand in order to prevent that coworker misunderstanding in the first place or or the thought suddenly appears in your mind with no precursor to pull off on the next exit and check your tire pressure five minutes before it would have blown. And maybe the adamant thought, it's a urinary blockage, might come from nowhere as you're staring across the room at your cat before symptoms even present. Clairaudience, meaning clear hearing, could be confusing since we just talked about hearing the thought or the information presented as a knowing in your head, but this intuition is different in that the communication you are hearing in your mind is not coming from inside the house. It's thought that these messages are coming from a spirit guide, an angel, or a deceased loved one. This is the medium saying something like, they're telling me you have a favorite spoon, and you're looking around like, yo, nobody said anything, you know, right? Yeah, they're responding to a clairaudient communication. And so I, I have to assume, though I haven't specifically read this yet, um, since it's not your own personal thought voice, as with claircognizance, then maybe the voice would seem somewhat different and be a little bit more distinguishable, since it's coming from an angel or, or guide or whatever clairvoyance, clear seeing, or clear vision. Good old clairvoyance is the ability to see things in your mind's eye. These images can be literal images. They can also be symbolic and needing massive interpretation. If you are clairvoyant, you might be seeing numbers, letters, colors, animals, words, uh, specific people, yada, yada, yada. What you will not be experiencing, I mean, Never say never, but at this point, and as far as I understand it, unlike the extremely overused, stereotyped clairvoyant on television shows and film, you will not be sitting there watching some exact mind movie of things to come. Doesn't work that way. Remember? Subtle. These communications can be about a specific person to whom you're speaking or reading. And according to Britannica.com, it can also mean having knowledge of information not necessarily known to any other person, not obtained by ordinary channels of perceiving or reasoning. Now, it should be noted here... Uh, The different psychic personality types that may be utilizing these four main intuitions to some extent, as laid out in the awesome book, Psychic Empath, which is a duo book set that I purchased by Kimberly Moon, the psychic personalities are as follows. Physical intuitives. These are going to be your tarot readers, crystal ball gazers, palm reader, tea leaf reader, essentially a tool user because they are tactile. They will have the ability of clairtangency and have a strong connection to objects and the physical world. They must be hands-on in order to sense energy. So these guys would be natural laying of hands healer types. As Ms. Moon lays out, their home is of utmost importance to them as it is their sanctuary, their haven. But they do enjoy getting into nature and grounding themselves. Mental intuitives are more than likely going to be clairvoyant or clairaudient. As their intuition type denotes, they spend a lot of time considering information that comes into their heads, such as images and sound. They like the details. 
psychically speaking and otherwise, and according to their general personality description, mental intuitives are going to either be a loner type or just someone more than happy to be alone as they can go hours on end with just the company of their own thoughts. Ms. Moon does mention, too, that if you are getting a reading with a mental intuitive of, of any sort, these are readers who are going to need a lot more information and detail from you as they want to logically work their way through the information they receive and their interpretations. The emotional intuitive is your classic introvert who is highly emotional and a sensitive person. They are naturally predisposed to clairsentience, clear feeling. Emotional intuitives are often described as empathic. Shouldn't be surprising considering their clairsentience, predisposition, and their emotional sensitivities. These guys don't just sympathize with others. They feel what others are feeling. The world and manipulative, negative kinds of people can overwhelm and drain them very easily. So if you think you are more emotionally intuitive... Take your time out to recoup and listen to those red flags when you meet those narcissists in disguise. You have people pleaser tattooed all over your face, and there is nothing a narcissist loves more than to rope in their very own sensitive people pleaser. The final intuitive is the spiritual intuitive. This type seems to have a direct line to the spiritual plane. They are naturally inclined to be connected to that otherworldly something else that makes it very easy for them to be drawn to and practice abilities in energy healing, mediumship, aura reading, and like precog premonitory dreams. Ms. Moon describes them as seeming to have their head in the clouds. I know a couple of incredibly spiritual and new-agey types who I would less gently label as space cadets, but with love, baby. I love speaking to these friends because these intuitives will have a conversation about anything spiritual or weird or having to do with we're all connected and but made of stardust because anything is possible and no theory is off the table. I imagine if most spiritual intuitives are like these friends of mine, they are the hippie who will hug you before they even know your name because they already know who you are. So I am going to have to say this might be a personal favorite of mine. If you feel you might be a spiritual intuitive, it is especially important for you to have a regular meditation or grounding practice to maintain your inner peace. Otherwise, you're going to feel disconnected and most likely agitated because it's all connected, and so are you. I really love that these types were included in this book, which once again is called Psychic Empath. It's by Kimberly Moon. Go get you a copy and get educated. Back to my point. I love that these were included because I did not know that this other angle of the psychic sensitives existed, you know? It's just cool, I think, to be able to look at this phenomenon and these abilities from maybe language that we can better put into our realm of understanding. Like, claircognitive can sound so super powery, right? Whereas we all know what intuition is, we all accept that we have it. What? There's there's different types of intuition? Oh, emotional intuition describes me to a T. 
and they're predisposed to clear feeling? Hmm. I might now be more open to the concept of clairsentience as simply an extra sense that I could strengthen within myself. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's all a stretch. Back to the lesson. Let's take a look at the other clairs. Clairgustant means clear taste. This one is really interesting. If you sometimes receive random tastes in your mouth with no physical or logical reason for you to be tasting something, you might be clairgustant. Most reported tastes are rust and cigarettes. The rust kind of weirds me out. Like, how do you know what rust tastes like in the first place? But you can really just taste about anything. Um, It is thought that you are tasting the energy of something and with a bit of detective work on your part can be tied to the something. And then you'll know in the future that your dog is happy because you suddenly taste Began strips. You know what? If you know what rust tastes like, then Began strips is not out of the question. In the article I am including the link to below, one woman said she knew when someone she was speaking to had bad dental hygiene because she would immediately taste plaque or yeast, which is absolutely disgusting. Brush your damn teeth, y'all. Another said she always knew when her brother was having a grand old time when she suddenly tasted oranges. It's different, right? but so interesting. The final Claire we'll talk about today is Clairaliance, also referred to as Clairsense. And you might have already guessed, it does mean clear smell. Often reported is a simultaneous Clairgustance, which isn't too surprising since the nose and mouth are so close together anyway, but just the sense of Clairaliance is the ability for someone to smell something without knowing how or why. There's no reason for it, but now you smell cigar smoke. This sense can definitely be tied to emotions as well due to the nostalgic effects that a scent can have on us, period. So if we are talking about the psychic sense and you are smelling the cigar smoke out of nowhere, it might be an indication that your beloved deceased grandfather who loved his fancy Cuban habit has popped by for a visit. Our sense of smell is known to be our oldest sense and one of the most important for our survival. Have you ever just sat and pondered just how much information you get in an instant download when you smell something familiar, like fresh cut grass, a certain favorite men's cologne, you know, a million thoughts register without you even having to think deeply about it, or an unfamiliar scent, gas, chemicals, blood. It also stimulates our limbic system, which is why all that nostalgia. The limbic system is connected to emotions and memories. So you can see how this very unfamiliar and non-mainstream extra sense can actually be incredibly important and a really powerful psychic tool. All right. Now that we are clear on the various Claire senses, only one last thing to talk about. How do we develop one of these superpowers for ourselves? (laughs) It's really quite simple, actually. First things first, you have to believe that you have access to any one of these abilities. 
even if you are not someone you would consider naturally gifted in any, start with one you're either attracted to or one that you think you could be naturally proficient at based on your intuition type. Are you better with your hands? Play around with clairtangency. Are you an emotional person? Hone in on clairsentience or clairalience. Maybe you just feel a general connectedness to the universe and all that spirit has to offer. Maybe claircognizance is your speed. Personal note, I would say just pick one that you like. Like, you're not going to stick with it if you don't want to do it in the first place, right? Next, you must practice. Just like a runner on a track at dawn or a singer belting scales, think of it as strengthening that muscle. Ms. Moon recommends keeping practice sessions short at first as they can be very draining, and I, having never done this and no idea myself, am inclined to agree. From this point forward, there are some techniques to choose from, including becoming more aware of possible psychic messages you might already be receiving, smelled plums while showering this morning, take a note. Thought about a car accident right before you see the cop lights flashing just around the bend in the road? Write it down. Become aware of what is already happening because it's highly likely that things are already happening. Just like my intuition with my dog. If that was clairsentience, maybe I would have been better able to decipher its importance from my other feelings if I had been more aware in the first place that it was something that was actually already occurring. Another technique is meditation. This helps to clear your mind, prepping it in order to receive messages clearly when they do come through. It can also help you quiet the thoughts, worries, and distractions that could conceivably junk up your line of communication. It seems to me that the most important knowledge that you could keep in mind for how to strengthen your superpower is just to be aware that it may have been lying dormant within you this whole time. I was listening to um, a podcast recently with a psychic medium as her guest, and the guest told the story of a recent student who had come to her class, just interested in discovering, you know, what her natural ability was. The guest specifically had the ability to sense what other gifts already are are present, and she would begin to take on someone's ability or sense the ability in herself suddenly. So she had like an intro with this woman and set her up to start taking her class. An interesting part to this is that this psychic medium talked about one day she just kept smelling peaches kept smelling them throughout the day. Fast forward to her class that night, this new student brought her a peach cobbler she had made for her teacher just that morning because, turns out, she was a professional chef and this was seriously her thing. Like, imagine how long this woman went along not knowing that she had Claire aliens, but then being drawn to a career that highly involves the sense of taste and smell. She was naturally already drawn to it. Anyway, just got sidetracked. Another thing you can do, find like-minded people to be around. You are the average of the five people you hang around with most. So get involved in that community in some way so you don't feel dumb and alienated and ridiculous because you'll know people who have the same interests and can even provide you some time-saving advice as you start this journey. Another one, get back to nature. 
just as with meditation, it's a great place to clear that busy mind and get rid of the distractions so that you are better able to pay attention to the subtle information coming through. And one more technique is actually just start. Ms. Moon recommends trying psychometry, which is just reading the energy of an object. That's the more well-known term for clairtangency, in a sense. This might be a good way to access any other clairs that you might naturally have swimming around in there, or to open the gateway for any of them that you wish to bring forward. Try it out. Keep trying it out. If you're curious, what, what have you got to lose? You're going to start with something that may already have meaning for you. Get calm and quiet and just let whatever is going to flow, flow. Images and memories and thoughts are going to come through. Take a mental note how they surface, how they make you feel. Just get familiar with how your body wants to present the information to you. When you've practiced a few times, then try it with objects that you don't know anything about. See how that feels. What images surface? Then try it with an object that belongs to someone you know and are comfortable enough with to tell them what's coming through and see if they can confirm any of the information. That would be a great way to start understanding the difference between your natural, physical, psychological process and something genuinely, psychically connected to whatever lies beyond it. This was some fun information to get into, you guys. I really enjoyed looking into the Claire's, and I hope you got something out of it that maybe you weren't aware of before. Thanks to everyone who voted on the poll for the psychic ability I shall be trying to attain this season. I announced it last week, but to reiterate, astral projection won by a mile, so this should be interesting. I shall do my best, and best believe I've got some questions for the hat man. Should I see him? I'm gonna have him on my show. Um, my progress with meditation has been steady and successful so far. I started shortly after the premiere at three minutes and was comfortably doing like eight to ten a week later. I don't know if that's fast or slow, but not trying to compare or compete, just getting comfortable with the practice for the time being. I have started introducing some Hemi-sync tracks, <coughs> gateway process, <coughs> and um, something happened. Something shifted inside my brain hole. I, I don't know how to explain what it felt like, but for just a few seconds, I was not physically aware any longer, but I, I was still aware. I don't know, folks. It's weird. I'm going to keep going with it and see if I can't refine my language to make it more understandable for you guys. Other than that, um, I'm not quite as quick to lose my temper in my regular day-to-day, -day, so I think it's already showing some benefits. I shall keep you posted if I should start levitating. Follow the show on TikTok. I am on all of the socials, of course, at Paranormal Girl Pod, but really trying to grow my TikTok audience right now. So if you are on there Make it rain with them follows. Um, a couple of ways you can support the show are by rating and reviewing. Of course, got some very cool reviews recently over on Apple Podcasts, and I just appreciate it to no end. 
The other way you can support the show is by joining the Patreon. I've got three tiers up right now and some very cool benefits for joining each. I upload one bonus episode every month for the researcher, higher education, and the paranormal investigator tiers, along with the first invites to the PGP book club. I've got in the works trying to get that sucker up and running by October because I love books and reading and October. So you want that bonus episode? You want some merch? You want to read and talk about it? Patreon is the way, folks. All for now, let's bring it down with a final note. You guys might remember this. I think it was in the last decade or so that either an article had just been posted or this this idea started massively circulating online that did you know, once upon a time, humans couldn't see the color blue. Because none of our ancient works and classic literature referred to the color blue. For instance, Homer describes the sea as wine dark in the Odyssey. Wine dark. Just call it blue, dude. Anyone else remember hearing about this? I do. And it would be an interesting factual tidbit if it were true. But it's not. Well, not exactly. And I'm glad, because I'm, uh, I'm about to use it to make a point right now. Come to find out, thanks to an excellent study by Jules Davidoff in 2006 and an interesting one conducted by MIT in 2007, it is thought that it is far more likely that ancient humans did in fact see the color blue just as we do today, but they couldn't see it. They didn't grow up differentiating it from perhaps green, like the Namibia children in the Davidoff study. To our ancestors, there wasn't a distinct color blue until there was a name for it. Then they could recognize it as its own color hiding in plain sight. What I'm trying to speak to here is this. Blue existed. It was there all along. People didn't recognize or understand it because to them, it was a subtle difference from the colors that they did recognize and understand. To put this in perspective of the Claire's, go out on a limb with me, I love to theorize, but what if our basic five senses that we all recognize and understand go so much further, but we just cannot recognize that because to us, it is subtle? Well, to me, there is a stark difference between blue and green. It's weird to me to think of folks who came before who couldn't really tell the difference. Perhaps. That could end up being the case with these Claire's someday down the line. They are simply senses in each of us that we do not recognize yet. And my apologies to any uh, blue, yellow, green, colorblind listeners. I, I, I don't think it's weird. You're missing some cones, that's all. Lee, Lee is a little colorblind, so I can empathize with you. Ooh, empathize. Empathy. Empath. Let's talk about it next time. Until then, stay safe, 
keep the night light on, and sleep with one eye open.